It is Friday, and it's another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. We've got some questions to answer from the mailbag, go over some first-round failures and how it's affecting the Royals organization, and is it going to be Nick Lofton or Michael Massey next year at second base? That's all coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team... Every day. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel and Jace Medical, so we've got some more coming up on both of them here shortly. We are going to go over FanDuel and, and you know why you should be going to FanDuel with the football season uh, and the full swing of things. The MLB playoffs coming up. FanDuel is the app to use. As always, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. We're about 10 subscribers away from 500 so be sure to keep hitting that button, subscribing, so you can get content every single day. Because that's what we do here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. We bring you content every single day. If this is your first episode ever tuning in to Lockdown Royals, welcome in. I'm sure at this point of the season, 101 losses, uh, you are a diehard Royals fan, and I am the same. As a lot of us are trying to make our way through the season, the only thing that really puts you through a 100-plus loss season is how you know, honest your fandom is. Do you just show up when this team is good, or do you stick with them when it gets ugly? Well, if you're watching this podcast, I imagine you are sticking with it because that just shows how much of a true fan that you really are. Not to say that you aren't a true fan if you aren't sticking around because it's hard to watch a team like this, but always appreciate people interacting, uh, sending questions on Mailbag Fridays. You know, I love it. You know, After work, I work at Sports Radio 810 WHB. I've got a morning show on ESPN Kansas City Daily and also once a week on 10 Sports Radio from 7 to 10. So I love getting home from work, seeing the tweets you guys send me, the questions, you know, just interacting on Twitter. It's a big thing for me. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. It is a mailbag Friday, which I love doing these. It doesn't matter if the Royals are hot, they're cold, they're in between. I love answering the questions that you guys send my way because I want to give you shout outs on this podcast, make you heard because... I don't get to do this podcast if it wasn't for you. If it wasn't for you continuing to engage with this podcast, you know, come up with new content ideas, comment on YouTube, comment on Twitter. It wouldn't be fun to do because it'd just be me talking into a black hole, uh, into a void. There wouldn't be anything there. And I can only listen to myself talk for so much. Now, I, when I talk on the radio talk here, you know, I do want to hear back from some of you. So let's get right into it, not waste any more time. With some questions you guys shot me over on Twitter. And a reminder, we do Mailbag Fridays every single week. I will tweet it out on Thursday. So if you want it to be public, just comment on the tweet below. If you don't feel comfortable in sending a question and being seen by everybody, you can always direct message me. My uh, DMs are open for that. So let's start it off with Jonathan's question. On Twitter, he asked, would you trade J.J. Piccolo for Heim Bloom straight up? Now, we all know with Boston that Heim Bloom was relieved of his duties. And a lot of Red Sox fans are relieved. But I also look at it this way, that 
those big brand teams, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Mets, uh, now you could argue the Braves and the Astros. When you have a big brand like that, you're held to a certain standard. And Bloom, you know, very early on in the tenure, found a lot of success in Boston. But when you can't maintain that success, then people start calling for your head. I understand this year that there's going to be people, and there's a hell of a lot more than I thought, that want J.J. Piccolo's head to roll. You don't want to see J.J. Piccolo get another year. You feel like he's dating more 2.0. I don't believe he is. I think that he was one of the masterminds in uh, overhauling a little bit of this organization, the, the minor league department. I know not everybody was relieved of their duties, and there's still a lot of work to be done, but I don't call J.J. Piccolo 2.0. So the question is, Heim Bloom or J.J. Piccolo? If this was a different scenario, if J.J. Piccolo was in year three or four of this and these were the results you were getting, hands down, I would trade Heim Bloom because I think Heim Bloom is a very intelligent front office mind. And I think he'd fit really well here in Kansas City. Now, I am curious if there were any discussions. Now, I don't know who those discussions or where those discussions would be had or with whom, but John Sherman would be the one to make that call. If he wanted to have Heim Bloom replace J.J. Bacola, well, he's got that power. But it also shows that you're abandoning the process pretty early, that you don't think J.J. Bacola can do this. And that would frustrate me because if you're going to relieve J.J. Bacola after one year, why did you not do it last year? Why did you not just clean house? That, to me, would show a lack of commitment and a lack of leadership, honestly, on John Sherman's part. So I think in a different scenario, I would say yes. But... I, I don't even know if Heim Bloom would would take an offer from Kansas City. He's going to have a couple of offers out there, and I think with organizations in better spots than Kansas City, I just think it's so unlikely. Now, if you're asking me if I'm John Sherman, if I have the money, there was a lot of talent in Boston, but also traded away a lot of top talent. He will forever be known in Boston as the guy that traded away Mookie Betts. And I know in Kansas City, a lot of you would not be a, a Heim Bloom lover if he traded away one of the superstar talents and all you got in return really was Alex Verdugo. So I think for right now, I would say no. I would like Bloom to come to this organization and kind of be an assistant. I just don't think he's going to take that job. He's going to get a, an offer from a major league team to try and overhaul that system. Uh, ben asked on Twitter, which I kind of already responded to, but I'll have more of a professional answer to it. Why did the Royals still employ Matt Duffy? He's a bench player, he's a veteran, and there's no need for the Royals to call up a rookie to sit the bench. I am somebody that wants to see Tyler Gentry. I'd love to see Devin Mann. I'd like to see Samad Taylor back up. But Matt Duffy's not taking any at-bats from anybody. He's not playing a lot. Uh, He might come in and play some first, play some third, play some second. He's just a veteran guy at this point. There's 15 games, folks. There's no need to really get up in arms about it anymore. You know, he's not going to be stealing at-bats very often from Nick Lofton or from Michael Massey, or from Michael Garcia. Those guys are rotating pretty evenly now. So I just think that's why Matt Duffy's still there. Veteran guy, you know, he's one of the few guys I expected to stay on the roster the entire year, but here he is. He's a veteran. You know, he's a very successful veteran in terms of who he's played for. There's no need to bump him off the roster in the final two weeks of the season. Chance had a really good question on Twitter, and shout out to him over at ESPN Wichita. Should the Royals consider bringing in Heim Bloom as an assistant slash advisor gig? He has a good track record in the draft. Marcelo Meyer, Kyle Teal, and came from the Rays organization before Boston. If he had, a, if he got a scouting position, he would be giddy, or I would be giddy, speaking from chance, and would signal the Royals are serious. If the Royals could get him to some assistant role, to a scouting role, you jump all over that. 
uh, there is no hesitation on my mind. He is a guy that has an eye for talent. If you want to question what he can do as a general manager, when he's got all that talent, that's another thing. But Boston has been, I would say, competitive. This year has been more of an outlier because what the AL East has looked like. Who would have thought two of the lowest payroll teams would be in first and second place or fighting for an AL East crown by the end of it? You know, Boston and New York are at the bottom. So Heim Bloom was forced out more so because of circumstance. That Boston doesn't feel like they're a last place team. They shouldn't be losing this many games, and they're about 500. But if you can get him here on an assistant GM role, if you want to make JJ Piccolo the general manager and then Heim Bloom the president of baseball operations, that's a home run. I just think that he's going to get control of an organization somewhere that's trying to rebuild. And for the Royals' sake, I just don't think it's going to be there. I don't think that offer is going to be there. But for chance, if that is a, an opportunity for him, you have to jump all over that. Josh asked a fun one on Twitter, and this is going to be a really tough one for me to answer. Who's my favorite host of One Royal Way? Uh, some great guys over there. Fantastic work. I always love listening to their, their episodes. you got Joel Penfield. you got Jordan Foote. And, of course, Josh Kaiser. You know, I always, you know, love to, to engage with those guys on Twitter, hear their side of things, because they do fantastic work. I mean, you know, I, I'm all for promoting my own podcast stuff, but I have no shame in promoting other podcasts as well. One Royal Way is a fantastic podcasting uh, group, and they just, they always have intriguing comments, and they've got great content. If I have to pick, man, you're, you're all so lovable in your own way. I'll put it at that. It's like a father here with their kids. I can't pick one. You're all my favorites. A cop-out answer that really is. But as for the podcast, love it, man. They do great work over there. I've gotten a lot of inspiration from them. Uh, they just have a great all-around group over there at One Royal Way for the KC Sports Network. So I know it's not the question you were or the answer you were looking for to your question, Josh, but all you guys do great work, and, and I love hearing all of your content. And lastly, Jeremy Slemons on Twitter asked, what's going to be the number on Bobby Witt Jr.'s deal when his time to get paid rolls around? Also, what's the earliest that a competitive window would open? Uh, I would say, to start with the Bobby Witt Jr. question, I think he's only going to sign a mega deal here. I think Matthew Lamar did a great job breaking this down on Royals Review. You know, he thinks that Bobby Wood Jr. will only sign a big-time deal. He's not going to sign some three- or four-year deal, so you're looking at a, a 10- to 11-year deal. I agree with this one completely. He said the AAV for an extension will probably be around $25 million. The average annual value based on comps for an 11-year deal would be about $275 million. For a 14-year deal, you're looking at about $350 million. I think it falls in that range. So I, I am going to piggyback on what Matthew Lamar said. That feels like the likeliest scenario if a contract is to be struck at some point, maybe this offseason or the next. Uh, I just feel like that's a likely number. here. He's going to be asking high, especially coming off this year. As for a competitive window, so tough to tell right now. Bear Farm System, not a lot of talent at the big league level. I think the goal should be to shoot for 2025, maybe 2026 if a rebuild goes according to plan. But a lot of people want to see more competitive games in 2024. Only way that can really happen is spend a little bit of money in the offseason. But I would say you're looking more so 2025, 2026. So thank you again for the question, Jeremy. And thank you to all who asked all the questions in the Mailbag Friday segment. Uh, keep them coming. I'll always try to answer them on Twitter. I mean, just because I didn't get to them in this podcast, I'll answer you guys on Twitter or in the next edition 
of Mailbag Friday. We're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, let's talk about some first-round failures of the Kansas City Royals and where it's put this organization as a whole. That's coming up next on Locked on Royals. You are tuned into Locked on Royals and the Locked on Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can always follow me on Twitter at J underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. Before we go any further, let's give a shout out to one of today's title sponsors in Jace Medical. Modern medical care and treatment are important, but our global supply chains are fragile. Things like pandemics, natural disasters, and foreign travel may cut you off from the treatment you need. Jace Medical is your solution. Just fill out their online form and one of Jace Medical's board-certified physicians will review it to determine whether your medications are safe and appropriate. Then Jace will send your prescriptions to one of their partner pharmacies where your order will be filled and mailed directly to your home. You can also spend your physician a or send your physician a message for answers to treatment related questions anytime. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical Plus, an additional $20 off by using my code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. I know that for the majority of this year, we've been wondering, you know, when certain guys are going to debut, when are these guys going to get their chance in the rotation and the bullpen and the lineup? And we saw a handful of guys debut this year. Nick Lofton's one of them. James MacArthur's one of them. Uh, we saw guys like you know, Nelson Velasquez make his Royals debut. I know he's not a rookie. Um, you know, let's go with Logan Porter. Just recently called up to the big league level. Alec Marsh made his debut. You know, we've seen a lot of guys in Kansas City come up here and get their chance to play. Samad Taylor is another one that comes to mind here. And at the end of the day, the Royals can continue to do this. Uh, they can continue to open up spots for guys that have been journeymen in their minor league system. The problem is you can't rely on 14, 15, 16th round picks to make your organization a hell of a lot better. You can't build a winner off of that. Eventually, you need first round picks to hit in a row. That's why Baltimore's at 91 and, and whatever they are. They've won 91 games, first place in the AL East, fighting it out with the Tampa Bay Rays. You know, they hit on a lot of their first round picks and second round picks because first round and second round picks are supposed to be your gimmies. You shouldn't struggle in making those picks. And the Royals have failed a lot more than every other organization out there. And I just have to go back to the last couple of years. I mean, You've had those years where you question, why did they go with this guy in the first round? You know, you, you took Aaron Crow back in 2010, I believe it was. A Christian Cologne. You know, maybe it was Crow in 09 and Cologne in 2010. Now, Cologne, you know, had his impact on a World Series team. So I don't really want to criticize Christian Cologne. But, you know, for being a top five pick, didn't really live up to that expectation. Now, Bubba Starling in 2011. Now, you had some hits, Mike Moustakis, Eric Hosmer. Now, Luke Hochaver didn't really pan out to be a 1-1 pick, but he had a lot of success in the bullpen. Then you had years like Hunter Dozier, and you had years like Kyle Zimmer, Ash Russell, and you get further down the line, you know, Nick Prado, Brady Singer. Now, Bobby Wood Jr. really has been your only true hit in the 
2010s, I would say. And he was a 2019 first round pick. Now, some guys turned into something. And when I mean that, I like Brandon Finnegan, who we've had on the show before, uh, trying to find his success again in the independent league for the Kansas City Monarchs. Congratulations to them. They're on their way to the championship series. But Brandon Finnegan was a 2014 round pick, had a big impact on the 2014 team in the postseason. They flipped him next year for Johnny Cueto. You know, Cody Reed and John Lamb were in that deal. Royals get a World Series with Johnny Cueto. So you feel like that pick, in the end, worked out a little bit. Then in 2020, you take Asa Lacey. Asa Lacey is nowhere to be found. <laughs> Can't even find him on the back of a milk carton right now. He's just missing. Nobody knows where he's throwing, if he's healthy. No word on him. Now, 2021, Frank Mozicato, really good in quad cities. But now, all of a sudden, he can't throw a strike in – or, excuse me, he was missing a lot of bats in Columbia. Quad cities is where he's struggling to find his command, ERA north of seven. Now, he's still a young guy, about 20 years twenty years old, 21 years old the next season. You know, those are the type of guys that you wish you could just lock in as a future ace. You know, use a first-round pick. He was an underslot guy, success at the very low levels, but now the velocity is not really ramping up. His ERA is really high and high A. And I don't want to just say, well, it's him adjusting. It feels like every other organization has guys that just fast track to the big leagues. The Royals struggle with that. At 2022, Gavin Cross, he had a dismal year this year. And you know, he gets promoted to double A Northwest Arkansas, not deserving it just to basically get him out of high A. He couldn't hit worth a lick for the Quad City River Bandits. And then in double A Northwest Arkansas, he played in about two games. And I think that was it. Didn't record a hit. Now I think he's sidelined with an illness or he's just shut down for the year. And then in 2023, you draft Blake Mitchell. And I'm not going to judge a guy on 13 games. But Blake Mitchell is a slug of 147 or less than 200. I know that. And those 13 games in the instruct leagues. Kyle Teal's in double A for Boston, who was right there for the taking. Matt Shaw's in double A for the Cubbies. Now, Maybe in the end, Blake Mitchell's better than all of them. I just going off track record here. The Royals seem to make it harder on themselves. And this team can never seriously contend again. If these first round picks are going to be constant reaches, if they're quitting baseball two, three years into their career. I mean, th this is my big problem. And, and mental, the mental aspect, I would say, is the biggest part about finding success in the minor leagues. You could be physically gifted. I mean, a lot of these guys that are in the minor leagues were wildly successful in high school and college. It's why they're there at this point. But the mental aspect is knowing that, hey, once I'm good, I'm good. I'm better than this level. I can I can hit. I can pitch in double A. You need that mental aspect of it. And the Royals right now, I just think, have some guys that may not have that mental approach. I mean, Asa Lacey and Gavin Cross being two of your top 10 picks in the last three to five years of your rebuild. One of them, you have no idea where he is. And kind of for the other guy, you don't know where he is right now either. I mean, is he healthy? What is this illness? Is it concerning? All these things are stuff you have to factor in. And first round failures has been a, a constant problem for the Royals. I mean, I would go as far to say right now, the best pick in 2022 for the Royals last year was their 15th rounder. And that's Javier Vaz, who's raking in double-A Northwest Arkansas. You know, he could be a future center fielder in Kansas City. And that's a good thing. You're finding value late in the draft. 
But also, I mean, imagine what you could do if you hit on your first three picks. I mean, I'd go Javier Vaz and Mason Barnett as the two best picks in that draft class. You go back to, to 2019, you know, a Bobby Wood Jr. home run pick. He's a superstar. You need more of those. And you can't afford to miss in this upcoming draft next June. You can't have any more reaches. And we've discussed this. We discussed this around the draft time. That the Royals just make it harder on themselves. And the first round failures, I don't want to say they're bust just yet. But you look around baseball, a lot of first rounders elevate themselves very quickly. They don't struggle that much at the lower levels. Get the double A and triple A, I get it, facing better competition. But to see your first round pick in year two mightily struggle in high A, like we saw with Lacey and Gavin Cross, it's problematic because it's a reoccurring theme for the scouting department and for this front office. It's got to change if they're ever serious about contending again. Before we wrap up the week and send you off from the weekend, let's close our show with a debate. Do you want Nick Lofton at second base next year, or do you want Michael Massey? I'll give you my thoughts next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned into Locked On Royals and the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. And be sure to find all of our podcasting episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. We are 10 subscribers away from 500 let's try to get to it before the end of the season and then by the beginning of next year let's try to just get 500 more let's try to get to 1k by the beginning of the 2024 season in kansas city but before we go any further and get into our debate of nick lofton or michael massey let's give a shout out to one of today's other title sponsors in FanDuel. get ready for the nfl season with incredible offers from FanDuel, america's number one sports book Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spread to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, the official sponsor of the NFL. I've gotten this question a few times on Twitter, and I feel like I need to come clean and just give you my thoughts on it and what I think the Royals are going to do in 2024. I've heard a lot of, is it going to be Nick Lofton or Michael Massey or what I would do if I was in Matt Quattrero's spot to make the opening day pick? As if it should be Nick Lofton or Michael Massey. And I think I've got a very firm answer. I don't think I'm going to budge on this that much, regardless of what happens in the offseason. The Royals have three spots solidified on their infield going into 2024. And I think that fourth spot, that second base spot, is all but locked down. You're going to have Michael Garcia at third base, assuming he's healthy. Bobby Wood Jr. is going to be at short. Benny Pasquantino is going to be at first base. No and ifs or buts about it. That is going to be your three infielders in those three spots. As for second base, you could go with Michael Massey. You could go with Nick Lofton. You could go with Samad Taylor. There's a couple different options you could roll with. The reason I think it's going to go to Michael Massey, and I feel like I've stated this before, whether it was a mailbag Friday, if I answered it on Twitter, I know I have answered on Twitter before, but I couldn't remember if I put it in a podcast episode. Michael Massey is, I think, what the Royals, the second half at least, I know he's had his struggles, but this was the type of guy I think they at least hoped he could have been. Not his ceiling, but like Michael Massey had to get to this point. And what you have in Michael Massey is, ceiling-wise, a gold-glove second baseman 
And with a better start to the first half of the season, a second baseman who could run into about 18 to 20 home runs. Now, just blind test here. If I just gave you those numbers, you know, 90th percentile and outs above average at second base, 15 to 20 home runs, I feel like you'd take that. No, to me, Michael Massey feels pretty locked into that spot for opening day next year. I don't think the Royals feel a sense of urgency to move him off that spot. Now, let me be very clear, because I am a big fan of Nick Lofton. You know, Alex over at Royals Farm Report uh, was very high on Nick Lofton, said, you know, he gets the same amount of bats as Michael Garcia had this year. He's probably got the same F war. Like, he's that valuable. Now, I know I'm paraphrasing, so I apologize if I got a little bit of that wrong. But to me, this feels like a guy that really can be a big-time player for the Royals. And we're already seeing through 10 games or so, Nick Lofton is a guy that is putting up some big numbers. I mean, he has not struggled in making that transition. You can criticize me, debate me, and go, oh, it's meaningless game in September. Not to him. And not to some of the teams they've been playing. Was it meaningless to Toronto? It's not meaningless tonight against Houston. It's not going to be meaningless to Houston next weekend. There's been some teams they played aside from the White Sox that needed to win some games. Boston needed a surge, and Nick Lofton debuted against them. The good thing about Nick Lofton is he's not locked into second base. He's playing third base tonight against Houston. One of the last Friday night home games of the year. I believe there's one more after that, and that's New York. I mean, He can play just about anywhere. He's barely got his shot at the outfield just yet. In fact, I don't believe he's played the outfield yet. He can play third. He can play second. He's played first base. He barely had any experience there before getting called up to the big league level. So my, I guess, infatuation with Nick Lofton is that he's kind of a Whit Merrifield. I think he can be a Whit Merrifield with more pop. And you may have a a tarnished image now of Whit Merrifield because of his last year in Kansas City. I really don't. I look at what he did, what he accomplished in his time for some really bad Royals teams. If Nick Lofton became that, we all would be celebrating. It's a first-round guy, so maybe he can break through that ceiling. But Whit Merrifield's a multiple-time All-Star, could play everywhere, and that's what made him like expendable in a good way. <clears throat> I know it's a, that's a bad word to say, expendable, because that means you know we can do without you. I don't really mean it in that way. Maybe I need to find a better word to use. But let's just say you're on the opening day and Nick Lofton's not in the starting lineup. Okay, well, eventually Kyle Isbell's going to get tired. Okay, Nick, go play center field. Eventually Massey's going to get tired. Okay, Michael, you come to the bench. Nick, go out there to second base. Eventually Garcia's going to get worn down. Go out there to third base. Eventually Benny Pasquantino's going to need to DH one day. I mean, he's a guy that's had two injuries in the first years of his career. Nick Lofton, go play first base. You could see Nick Lofton get about 400 to 500 at bats next year just because. There's no spot you can't put him at. He can go play the outfield. He can play right. He can play left. He can play center. And that bat, to me, is good enough to play every single day. So really, it might be a cop-out answer here. But I think I don't need to pick, is it Michael Massey or Nick Lofton at second base? I mean, I'm going to say it's Michael Massey. That's my final answer. But it doesn't mean Nick Lofton's the odd man out. Nick Lofton can be this team's right fielder. Nick Lofton can be this team's left fielder. If you had to ask me right now in the outfield who I would take, if I just could pick one of four, Melendez, Waters, 
Lofton and Isbell, I'd take Nick Lofton because of his age, because of what I think he could be being a former first round pick. All of that helps. And his flexibility is good. I think his defense translates really well. So yeah, I think Nick Lofton is on the opening day roster next year. I think Michael Massey is as well. Your infield, I've said this weeks ago, months ago, infield set for 2024. They're not moving off Michael Massey at second base. Defense is too good, and the bat's coming around a little bit. He was basically a pitcher hitting in April, May, and June. Now you're seeing a much different player. He struggles to begin next year. All right, maybe you have your answer. He's just not a 162-game player. He's maybe a 50-60 to game guy, and you put him on the bench, maybe Nick Lofton then just plays second base every single day. Kind of happened with Whit Merrifield. You know, he was a second baseman, and then right field became open. Nobody played right field. Boom, he goes out there. That's how I see the Royals treating Nick Lofton in his future in Kansas City. Well, that's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. You can always follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. And check out all of our podcasting episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just be sure to hit that follow button and subscribe. The Royals take on the Astros for a three-game set at Kauffman Stadium. Zach Greinke on the bump tonight. And we will have a full recap on Monday when we talk to you again. So you take it easy, Kansas City.